All right, I have a good word from the Lord for you. It's found in the, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 37. I'm going to read verses 15 to 17. Jeremiah 37, verses 15 to 17. This is a story at the very end of uh, Judah's existence as a nation. Jeremiah was a prophet raised up by the Lord, and he was preaching judgment to come. Babylon was a world empire. Zedekiah, the king that Jeremiah is talking to here, he's the last king of Judah. In in short order, uh, Babylon's going to invade Judah and destroy the temple and carry away the people captive. They'd be in captivity for 70 years. That's the setting here. And in Jeremiah 37, verses 15 to 17, it says, Therefore the princes were angry with Jeremiah, and they struck him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. Now the princes, the leaders of Judah, were angry at Jeremiah because he was preaching captivity. He's preaching judgment. He's preaching Babylon's going to come and destroy. And the false prophets were preaching, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. So they're mad, so they imprisoned Jeremiah. When Jeremiah entered the dungeon and the cells, and Jeremiah had remained there many days, then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. The king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Is there any word from the Lord? That's the title of my message. Is there any word from the Lord? Have you ever needed a word from God? Have you ever? I I know I have. Right now I'm praying, my wife and I are praying with a pastor who is on a 21-day fast because he desperately needs a word from God. And how a word from God is so important. The entrance of God's word brings light and understanding. When God speaks, it just clears up your confusion, gives you a sense of direction. The word of the Lord is so important because faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. And we know God's word brings peace to our hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Many times that peace comes by a clear word from God. Well, we're supposed to be people of the word. I have some... Just some testimonies from my own personal life about defining moments when God spoke to me a word. I remember as a young man, just saved, 18 years of age, enrolled in Ohio State University, about ready to go off to college. And uh, I got saved at the very end of my senior year and I didn't know anything about the check of the spirit. I didn't know anything about... uh, uh, God changing uh, your direction or anything. I'm just brand new saved, but all of a sudden I became very uneasy about going off to college, going off to Ohio State University, which is the center, the mecca of college football. Everybody knows that. And uh, <laughs> I just can't resist. I just can't resist. And uh, I went into my closet to pray about this. Just newly saying, I'm praying about it. I felt so awkward and ill at ease going off to this university. And I remember I I walked in my walk-in closet. I turned off the light. I sat down in my walk-in closet because that's my prayer closet. And I just prayed. I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't feel like I should go there. Where do you want me to go? And in a matter of seconds, God spoke to me to go to Bible college. Just in a matter of seconds. 
God spoke that to me. Well, that was a defining moment. I needed a word from God, and God, in a matter of seconds, just spoke clearly to my spirit from his spirit and i just knew i was to go to bible college and not go to ohio state university i've shared that story before and the the difficulties of telling my parents that oh my gosh and their reaction and anyway but that was the word of the lord for me and i've learned you know that god doesn't always speak in a matter of seconds every time you pray sometimes you must seek the lord sometimes you must wait on god you must listen to his voice, and you discern it through a lot of different ways. But man, that came right then and there. Recently, I was praying, and uh, you know, we're going through this pandemic, and I tell you what, it's challenging as a pastor uh, uh, leading a church in this, this racial unrest, civil unrest, and this pandemic, and all the strong feelings, trust me. It's challenging as a pastor. And God spoke to me out of Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. So I got a word from the Lord when I was 18 years of age. I got a word from the Lord as a 62-year-old minister of the gospel. This is what it says in Acts 18, 9 and 10. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Boy, I tell you what, that, God just spoke that to me. Spoke that to me a couple months ago, and that just gave me faith just to stand up and declare the counsel of God and to lead with confidence. And, but that was a word from God. Has God ever spoken to you a word? Well, Zedekiah the king, he goes to Jeremiah and says, is there any word from the Lord? Now, Jeremiah was constantly preaching the word of the Lord. And this was Zedekiah to his preaching. You know, he's not listening. And so he, he's not, he doesn't have a good heart. Zedekiah was a wicked king, does not have a good heart. So he calls Jeremiah aside secretly. He doesn't want the religious leaders and, and political leaders to know that, that he got him out of prison, that he's inquiring. His inquiring wasn't a truthful inquiring, as we shall see. But he needed and wanted a word of the Lord. At least he pretended he did. What happens when God does not speak to a person? Or a nation. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. That's the book of Judges. You know, Samuel is, uh, is uh, the book that leads from the book of Judges into the kings. And right now it's the time of the judges. Everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes because the word of the Lord was rare. The people were just doing what they wanted to do. They were backslidden. They were rebellious. They were oppressed. The leadership was apathetic and really non-existent. Eli, the high priest, listen to what it says about Eli, the high priest. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of, the God, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down. Right there we see really a picture, a physical picture of the spirituality of the high priest, and of that nation when there was the rarity of God's word. Eli was lying down, not standing up strong. His eyes had begun to grow dim. He's losing his vision. 
so that he could no longer see dwelling in darkness. The lamp of God was going out. The light of God was going out. You tell you what, when the word of the Lord is rare, leadership becomes corrupt, blind, passive, lethargic, morality declines, people end up doing what's right in their own eyes. If that's not a description of the United States of America as a whole, I don't know what is. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. And we need a word of the Lord in our nation. We need a word from God for our own hearts. We need a word from God for our marriages, for our businesses. We need God. Everybody say amen to that. We need God. Now, King Zedekiah rejected the word of the Lord and suffered the consequences of his hard heart towards God. King Zedekiah, he was the son of Josiah, who was a good king. He was about 20 years of age, 21 years of age when he became king. He was put in as king by Babylon. Babylon was a world power. Judah was a declining power. Babylon had so much power that they installed Zedekiah as a king. And he reigned, I think, 11 years before his banishment to Babylon as a prisoner. Zedekiah was proud, insecure, and evil. And he was filled with fear. He feared the coming invasion for Babylon, and he also feared the leadership that was around him. He was a people pleaser, and if you're a people pleaser, you have great insecurities, and also there is fear there. The Bible says that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And he was ensnared by his own fears and insecurities He couldn't uh, say no to the leaders. He couldn't stand strong in the grace of God. He couldn't obey the word of the Lord because of his fears. Fears. The fear of man is a snare in that it supplants the fear of God in our lives. Since the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of man sets us on the road to foolishness. Well, we need to make sure that we fear God more than man. Am I right about that? The fear of the Lord, the reverence, worshipful fear of God, living in the presence of the Lord and in the sight of the Lord where you realize he is God and you are not, and that he is watching you and that you are going to give account to the Lord one day. When the Bible talks about us giving an account to God, it says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. So we all should be walking in the fear of God. Yes, God is our Heavenly Father, and He so wonderfully loves us, and our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, and we're robed in, our, in His righteousness, and we have confidence and boldness at the day of our judgment. But yet, one day, in spite of all that, or in, including all that, we're going to stand before God, and He is going to look on us, and He is going to measure us up, and we're standing before the Lord with nothing to hide us other than the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What an awesome, dreadful, fearful time that will be. And if we're Christians, that's a safe place to be because of the wonderful grace of God that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen to that. But Zedekiah, this young man, placed there by Babylon, fearful of Babylon, fearful of leaders, not really having a heart for God. He calls this prophet Jeremiah out of prison, and it says, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah answers confidently, there is. Now, the word of God for this king 
was a word of judgment, but that's not God's word for you and I. For he's not appointed you and I to wrath. That's not his word. But I will say confidently, if you're asking me, does God have a word for you? Yes, he does. Is there any word from the Lord? There is. Let's go on in our study here. What happens when a nation, a family, or a person rejects the word of the Lord? If I turn my Bible page back to Jeremiah 37, the first two verses, this is the beginning of King Zedekiah's raid. Beginnings are very important. Beginnings are important. Finishing is also very important. Zedekiah begins his rule and reign over Judah in verses 1 and 2. It says this, now King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed They didn't listen, they didn't obey, to the words of the Lord, which he spoke by the prophet Jeremiah. He began his reign not listening. That's not beginning well, is it? We need to make sure that everything we begin, we begin correctly or rightly or wisely in our relationship with the Lord. And the first thing we do is we humble ourselves and realize we're people of the word. We're people of God. What God says is important to us. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7, talking about beginning with the right foundation. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. I tell you what, that's how you want to begin everything you do. Begin your new job, begin your new relationship, begin your ministry, begin your walk with the Lord. You want to make sure everything you do, you start out listening to God, obeying God, doing what the Bible says trusting in the Lord, inclining your ear to hear his word. We want to be able to do that because we want to build correctly because there is coming a day. And listen, it's like a threefold trial. If you look there at Matthew chapter 7, a threefold trial. The rain, the floods, and the wind. Rain, floods, and wind. I tell you what, that's amped up. And there'll be a time when trials will be amped up in your life. And you need to make sure that everything you do, you're building on a rock. Because that house of ministry, that house of marriage, that house of business, that house of finances, whatever it is you're building, you need to make sure that it's built on the right foundation. Because when the difficult time comes, you want to make sure it stands. Make sure it stands. Jesus goes on. Listen to what he says. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. Great was its fall. Beginning right. Beginning right. You know, Zedekiah, he didn't begin right, did he? 
He began his rule and reign not heeding the word of God. I, I, I've read a lot of articles about, uh, the, you know, the COVID, the pandemic, and what it's doing to marriages. And they say marriages are falling apart during the pandemic because husbands and wives are thrown together. They're now quarantined together, and they're not used to all that time. And then the stress of uh, finances and the stress of the change and the unknown and the fearfulness. I mean, they're just together, and marriages are falling apart during this time. It's because they... They're not building right. They weren't working it right. Trusting the Lord and heeding the word of God and making sure their attitudes were right all along, you see. And also individuals, I've read a lot of articles on this, individuals in America, uh, the alcohol sales and the drug sales have skyrocketed during the time of quarantine as people are trying to medicate their stress away through drugs and alcohol. That's not building correctly. You don't need drugs and you don't need alcohol to manage the stress in your life. I'm not talking about uh, clinical depression, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, oh my gosh, it's so difficult. And rather than building your life on turning to Jesus, all of a sudden all this stress comes your way and you turn to an artificial buzz to get you through. Because Jesus is not enough? I'm telling you. Oh, it got real quiet here. Got real quiet. I forgot my shout out to Dave and Donna Kujat, who obviously did something right, because I heard that you're celebrating 68 years of marriage today. That is awesome. 68 years, and I'm sure he could have some advice to us today what it's like to live with that woman of his. <laughs> and I'm sure you could probably say a whole lot too, right? But they've done something right. 68 years. That is awesome. That is amazing. Beginning right. Zedekiah, he didn't begin heeding the word of God. Are you guys following me, tracking with me on this? Now, the second thing I see is that God has a word for you. Zedekiah asked, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah responded, there is. There is. Let me give you some words that might speak to your heart today. If you're lost and don't know Jesus, the word of the Lord is this, repent and believe. If you're backslidden, you're not really following Jesus like you should, the word of the Lord to you is return. The Father's waiting for you at the Father's house, all right? He'll receive you back. If you're fearful, I got this one for you. If you're fearful today, the word of the Lord is what? Fear not. Fear not. If you're faithful, faithful to God, you're just doing everything you know to do, and you're holding fast, and you're standing strong, and you're fighting that good fight of faith. If you're being faithful, the word of the Lord to you is this, persevere. Just keep on being faithful. Don't give up. If you're offended today and angry, the word of the Lord to you is forgive. If you're weary, the word of the Lord to you is be strengthened. I went to a minister's conference uh, a couple years ago. It was up at Traverse City as a summer conference. It was a blessed time. And uh, 
there was a younger couple there. They'd been pastoring for a number of years, and they had just suffered a, 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 a split in their church. And the split in the church occurred in part because a member of the family split the church. Can you imagine that? I mean, splits do come, but your own flesh and blood being a part of that split. So I just became aware of this couple that was there, and they seemed so sad, so discouraged. Horns were hanging down. They were dragging and They're in this minister's conference. They're trying to receive. But sometimes your heart is so heavy, it's hard to receive, isn't it? Hard to receive. And I just, for some reason, I just became focused on them a little bit. I think it was the spirit of the Lord. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt like God gave me a word. So after one of the sessions was over, the the young lady was there. And uh, I went up to her. I said, I feel like I have a word from God for you. Can you get your husband? I want to share it with you. And uh, so she her eyes got real bright, and she ran off. And about 10 minutes later, she came back with her husband. And uh, it was out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2. It's real simple. It's one of the modern translations out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2. It's the word that the Lord just dropped in my heart just to speak to them. And it simply is this. Your sad days are over. That's a great, great one, isn't it? Your sad days are over. And I just spoke that like a prophetic word into the heart. And I still remember her face. She's a little tiny thing and her eyes looking up at me. And she was so hopeful and desperate for God to speak to her, to her husband, to help them. And I remember when I said, your sad days are over, both of their eyes just lit up. As God brought peace to their heart, as God brought restoration to them. How important it is to hear a word from God? I tell you what, when I said, I feel like God spoke to me and has given me a word for you, I mean, uh, can you go get your husband? Diggity dog, you know? I mean, she just went bounding out. I tell you what, she set her heart on that word. He set his heart on that word. They believed that word. They mixed their faith with that word. They didn't despise the prophecy, and it encouraged them. Hallelujah. God has a word for our nation and our culture. You know, Jeremiah brought a word of repentance and judgment, not just to this king Zedekiah, but to the whole nation. Let me read this to you about the voice that we can have to our nation. There are three primary voices we can employ in our cultural engagements. The prophetic, the evangelistic, and the heretical. In short, the prophetic denounces where needed. The evangelistic builds bridges of understanding with an eye towards conversion. And the heretical distorts the gospel for acceptance. We must recapture a blend of the prophetic and the evangelistic while avoiding the heretical at all costs. Let me also add to that. When you speak a word to the culture, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth with a broken-hearted boldness. What do I mean by broken-hearted boldness? The Bible tells us to be bold. We're people of the word. We can speak to our culture. Thus saith the Lord, we can denounce the wickedness. We can call men everywhere to repent. We can point to Jesus. We can say this is wrong. This is a disaster. This is, this is sin. This is nothing but rebellion. I mean, we have that voice as a church and as the people of God as we speak to our, our nation, as we speak to this culture. And our culture is tremendously fallen, is it not? 
But in that boldness, we need to speak the truth in love or have a brokenhearted boldness. In other words, we come with humility in our hearts, not anger, not an angry spirit, because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, I say our culture is tremendously fallen, and it is. It's one reason why we're having this racial unity service next Sunday and just doing our part to, uh, to, to think right, to believe right, to pray right concerning it all. Looking forward to that. But I just became aware Netflix produces shows, produces movies, and, and they came out with one. It's about ready to be released, and it's created quite the controversy, but it shows the downward slide of our culture. We can put up that. It's called Cuties going to be debuting on Netflix. Now look at these girls. They're 11-year-old girls. They're sexualized, right? And as Netflix advertises this movie, Cuties, they say this about it. 11-year-olds twerking their way to stardom through sensual dancing. Now because our culture has fallen, it, it makes normal what shouldn't be normal. Just makes normal, it should be. You know, in my generation of just simply pastoring this church for all these years, I've seen the normalization of things that didn't used to be normal. The normalization of gambling, the normalization of pornography, the normalization of the gay lifestyle, the normalization of gay marriage, all those things. And I was just talking to my secretary a couple weeks ago, and I'm aware of this. This is the next one coming. Pedophilia. They're going to normalize it. That right there is the normalization of pedophilia. That, you know, when an adult has sexual desires for a child that hasn't even gone through puberty. I'm telling you, it's coming. Mark my words. It's the next one. It's the next thing. It's the next, next, next taboo that's going to fall. And our culture is going that way because we have rejected and rebelled against the word of the Lord. Now I can trumpet with all the anger that God can muster in my heart against these things, but I do believe when we speak to the people out there that don't know Jesus and address the culture, either on your Facebook page or in social media or in conversations, we need to make sure we come with love in our hearts and a broken-hearted boldness so that they will be inclined to listen. Once again, I'm going to read this again. There are three primary voices we can employ in our cultural engagements. The prophetic, the evangelistic, and the heretical. And so at the prophetic denounces where needed. That's great. The evangelistic builds bridges of understanding with an eye towards conversion. That's awesome. And the heretical distorts the gospel for acceptance. We never want to do that. We never want to try to be so culturally relevant that we lose sight of the word of the Lord and the truth of God's word, right? If the culture does not like us, it's okay. As long as we are standing on the word of the Lord with the love of God in our heart, let's be different, let's be separate, and let's be revolutionary, saying, come on out from among them, we're different here. 
We do not embrace the sexual perversions and the depravity of our culture, and we're not trying to embrace it to be relevant to you. Rather, we will stand off and say, come and see the goodness of the Lord and embrace the salvation of God. Somebody give me a witness. The only way to grow to spiritual maturity is is to receive the whole counsel of God. Zedekiah wanted the word of the Lord. That's why he called in Zedekiah and says, uh, called in Jeremiah says, is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? The only problem is, is he didn't want the whole counsel of God. He just wants, he just wanted a word of deliverance and hope. But Jeremiah said, there is a word. You're going to be taken captive by Babylon. In other words, it's a message of judgment. Zedekiah didn't want the whole counsel of God. The Apostle Paul says, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's important. The whole counsel. We need to be people that were willing to receive all that the word says, right? He warns, Paul does in the book of Timothy, the last book he wrote, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now he's writing to Christians. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It's not easy to endure sound doctrine. Why is that? Because according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to fables. So the idea there is that it's our tendency to, you know, we hear the good word of the Lord, the, 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 the teachings of the scriptures. It's not some brand new thing we're receiving. It's the old gospel truths that have been preached for 2,000 years. We get tired of that. We want something new. And so we turn our attention to teachers that are bringing something new that's not really true. Bible says they have itching ears. In other words, they want their, their itch scratched. And they fall away. It's important to endure sound doctrine. Endure it. Persevere with it. It's important for preachers to just keep preaching the word. Just keep preaching the word. Just keep preaching the word. That's what I've tried to do. Am I right, Ron? That's what we've tried to do for 35 years. Just stay true to the word. Just keep preaching the word. Don't vary. Don't get off on tangents. Don't follow every wind of doctrine. Don't try to join on this bang wagon. Don't chase down that thing. Just stay true to the word because the word of God abideth forever. There's safety in the word. Safety in the word. Jeremiah says this in verses 17 and 18. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you surely surrender to the king, surrender to the king. If you surrender to the king of Babylon, your soul shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire and you and your house shall live. So you know how Babylon came in and, and destroyed the temple and burned down Jerusalem and carried every way captive, including the king? Jeremiah's word was, just go out and surrender. Surrender, and the city is saved, the temple is saved, the nation is saved. Surrender to the king, and you'll live. That's the word. But if you do not, he says, surrender to the king of Babylon... Then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans. They shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. So surrender means life. No surrender meant death. If you lose your life, you'll save it. 
If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. If you surrender to the King Jesus, you'll live. If you rebel against King Jesus, you will die. Can we see that? That's the word of the Lord to you today. If you lose your life, you'll save it. And if you save your life, you're going to lose it. What do I mean by that? Listen, there's life in surrender. There's life in coming to Jesus and surrendering it to him. I'm losing my life. I'm laying it down. I'm surrendering to my king, Jesus. And if you do that, you will live. Lose your life, you'll live. But if you try to save your life, I want what I want, and I have my plans, and I want to do my thing, and I'm not going to surrender my life to Jesus. I want you to know if you try to save your life, you will perish. You're going to perish. One final word from the Lord is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 39, verses 5, 6, and 7. Zedekiah was told by Jeremiah, surrender and you'll be fine. They won't kill you. They'll save the city. They'll save the temple. Just give up. Surrender. And he refused. Listen what happens in Jeremiah 39, verses 5, 6, and 7. But the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had captured him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riplah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced judgment on him. See, what happened is Zedekiah fled through an opening in the wall and tried to escape. They chased him down. Verse 6, then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. The king of Babylon also killed all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. My final word of the Lord is this. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. Zedekiah thought he had a better way than the word of God. And I want you to know that Zedekiah's character was defined by his daily decisions. And those daily decisions was, I'm going to reject the word of the Lord, the counsel of God, obedience to God. I'm going to do my own thing and try my own course and save my own life. All against the express teaching of the word of the Lord. He lost his sons. He lost his eyes. Carried away to Babylon. There as a prisoner, he died. He died. There's a way that seems right unto man, the end thereof thereof is death. What is the way that seems right unto man? The selfish way? The my way? The shortcut way? The disobedient way? The I have a dream way? The Frank Sinatra, I did it my way way? All those ways lead to death, but there is a way that leads to life. And what way is this? Jesus says, I am the way the truth, the life. No man comes in the Father but by me. Tell you what, the way that leads to life is the way through Jesus Christ and his wonderful, glorious cross. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. There is a way that seems right to man, and the end thereof is death. How many of you are waiting for a word from God? You're looking for a word. Anybody here today? Pastor Luke is looking for a word from him. You want a word from God. It's important, isn't it? It might be a word for you personally, a word of direction maybe, a word of wisdom. Maybe it's a word for your marriage, a word for ministry, a word for your business, a word for your finances. Whatever it might be, we need God's word. And I'm here to tell you, is there any word from the Lord? Yes, there is. God loves to speak. 
He loves to speak. What do we need to do? We need to do really what the Bible teaches. Ask him to speak. Surrender to whatever it is he's going to say. Listen and obey. Ask, surrender, listen, obey. Those of you that raise your hand and says, I'm looking for a word from God. Let's ask him right now. Lord, speak. Lord, I need a word. Speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. I need a word of direction, a word of wisdom, a word of hope. A word from you, O oh God. Speak it. Surrender. Lord, whatever you speak, I surrender to it. That takes faith, doesn't it? Pre-surrender, how important that is. Zedekiah, he didn't want to hear really, truly the word of the Lord. If you speak in such and such a way, I'll accept it. But if it's a different word, then forget it. Listen, we surrender as Christians, right? Let's do that right now. Lord, just speak a word to us. And Lord, thy will be done. Your will be done, Lord. We just surrender to it right now. Whatever it is, whatever it is, Lord, we surrender. Just imagine yourself in the presence of the Lord, bowing your heart before him. Lord, I just need you to speak, and whatever it is you speak, I surrender to that, and I will obey you, Lord. Even if I don't like it or agree with it or want it, Lord, if it's not the word I'm looking for, I will receive it. I receive your word, O Lord. With your heads bowed in the presence of the Lord, if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want to give you this opportunity. God's been good to be saving people in our services. I thank the Lord for that. Perhaps you're here today and you need to come to Jesus. Every one of us have a death to die, a God to face, and a judgment to go through. A death to die, a God to face, and a judgment to go through. Are you ready to stand before God? Are you truly saved? Are your sins forgiven? Do you possess eternal life? Do you know God? Truly know Him? If you're unsure, my friend, you need to pray with me today. If you want to pray with me to give your heart to Jesus, just raise your hand. Lift your hand up so I can see it. All right, let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. I think the song we have that Harry picked out, Come to the Altar, right? You ready to sing that one? Come to the Altar. And, you know, they had altars in the Old Testament. And uh, we say up here is like an altar where you come and worship, you come and pray, you come and surrender. You come and offer yourself, we call it an altar. And maybe you need to come and surrender as a Christian at the altar. If you do, just be bold, come on out, bow in the presence of the Lord or stand in God's presence. Let's make this an altar experience. Can we do that, church? Just as they sing this, come on down, all right? And surrender, worship, consecrate yourself. Inquire of the Lord. Oh, come to the altar.